This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, everybody, you elegant listeners out there and watchers, to Go, my favorite sports team, the place where you hear all about the sports, learn about the sports, and worship the gods of sport. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's that's what we do, right? This is. I don't even know. What? That makes it sound like we got a cult going on. I mean... I don't know. I met a couple people. They seemed cultish when they came and said hi. <laughs> At my annual cult meetup where we all wear the same uniforms and we all chant the same mantras as we worship our sports gods. Are you going to these without me? Because I don't remember any of those meetings. I must not have gotten the email. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's for the sports knowers. Um, we, uh, we kind of voted you temporarily suspended um, <laughs> until your knowledge expands. Um, you need to get your brain Wait, bigger on, on the balls second. and the holes. <laughs> hold on, I didn't know that was possible. Am I? Have I been banned? Am I? Have I been? <laughs> I didn't get that email either because usually you would tell me about these things, but I don't think I remember this. So, uh, well, I mean, I, I tell you about a lot of things, but a lot of times you don't reply right away, so I end up sitting in in flux, and then I just make the decision anyway. So it's one thing led to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then like the United effect. States dropped two atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That did happen. <laughs> that is a Brian Regan joke for everyone who thinks that I just pulled that out of my ass. It was a pamphlet, oh. though. You know, it was like, oh, it's, it's talking about, you know, really summarizing things, pamphlets. You know, Hitler was denied uh, entrance to art school. One thing led to another. Oh. flip. <laughs> And the U.S. dropped two atomic bombs on the sovereign nation of Japan. <laughs> yeah, this I mean... This is some pamphlet. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's fitting considering the whole title that's of the podcast. fitting? No, God. I say things ridiculous because they're not fitting. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's fitting that it's a Brian Regan reference because yeah. the name of our podcast is a Brian Regan reference. It is. It is. Many of my... Like, my entire existence is basically a Brian Regan <laughs> like reference <laughs> if we're just going to be honest with ourselves it is all just brian regan all the way down maybe brian regan should do an entire bit around you because your life is based around him 
I hope he doesn't know I exist because I just want to keep that world separate. I would, I would like him to not, because I feel like at some points he would just start suing me for the amount of things that I, I have shamelessly stolen from him. All right, I'll make sure and uh, message the in the private cult meetings to not talk to Brian Regan at all about who you are and what you say and how you exist in the world. Exactly, exactly. No one tell him I exist. <laughs> But anyway, welcome to the podcast. I'm Tyler, if you don't know already, and this is your fir your first episode. I'm the one that has a master's degree in sport administration, mm -hmm. and I'm joined by my awesome co-host and friend, Mark, who uh, has very little experience with sport. Hello, yes, but I've gained more knowledge. As you can tell by the beginning of this, uh, we, ex we, we specialize in cults, cult activities, <laughs> cult sacrifices, World War II history. Um, those are our specialties, and sports. It's really like sports is a footnote on all the other ones. And hence why I am a footnote on your life, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is the most, that is the worst cell phone I've ever heard to re reduce down your entire existence to a footnote in to the and friends category, which is what Wade likes to do. Just like, oh man, just and friends forever. It's like, oh. in, in all fairness, um, so Ninja said something like, he apparently got drunk and just insulted a bunch of other content creators and oh, i was just man. i just was replied and said like he's just a douche and i if i could hop in a boxing ring i would challenge him to a boxing match just to knock him down a rung Why was, god just, it, it was it was me a making a joke saying, like i want to beat you up no no i was saying because his his first name's also tyler so it'd be a battle of the tylers it was oh, it was me making perfect. a joke but somebody took it too seriously and somebody was like dog he's a real content creator and you're just you you only people know who you are because of mark and i'm like you think i don't really know that like <laughs> it's uh, uh, this is why you just don't respond to anyone on the oh i didn't ever. respond to them <laughs> i just yeah. laughed <laughs> yeah but that's that's what that train of thought popped in my head because it made me laugh and i like making fun of people that do that gotcha but anyway um, in recent sporting news, LeBron James has decided to change his number from the number six as the NBA retired the number six because Bill Russell, who's an NBA legend, passed away at 88 years old last oh, summer. I see. And so he didn't have enough time and it would have cost the NBA too much money because he was the highest selling jersey in the NBA and they had already printed and created all of these jerseys mm -hmm. for him to change last year. And so to honor him, he was grandfathered in. He could have kept the number six if he wanted to. He's going back to his old number of 23 that he wore at Cleveland uh, when he first came into the NBA. Huh. So that's the biggest recent news. The other news that I have is I went down because my former water polo coach. You went down? I went down, down. Further south than where we oh, currently okay. are. Oh, okay. All right. Because that has a different meaning. It has a lot of different meanings. Which meaning are you thinking of? <laughs> which meaning are you thinking of? You're the one who didn't apply any context to what you're saying. You just made everyone who was listening to this and not paying attention go, what? Because that's what happened to me. Well, I'm uh, just going to ignore that that happened. Flash news, everyone. Tyler went down. Down goes Tyler. No, that's not what, that's not the meaning I meant. Uh, that's the meaning I'm going with. So, all right, fair enough. Um, but I went down to like Orange County area to watch some Junior Olympic water polo. Uh, um, and so my former coach is coaching a team down there, and I found a team that I'm going to be rooting for this water polo season in Saint Xavier Bombers. Saint 
Xavier Bombers. Yes, they are Ohio. Uh, it's actually the high school I almost went to. Hmm. I yeah, my dad. Uh, my dad went to LaSalle High School, and so when I was wanting to play football and stuff in high school and do all of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about the different schools I could go to, and he asked me if I was interested in going to private school. Because he went to a private Catholic school, and so he was asking if I was interested. My cousin went to St. X, and he basically proposed the opportunity for me to go to St. X if I really wanted to. Uh Um, And I chose to stay at Milford because uh, I wanted to stay with my friends. Hmm. Okay. What year was this? 2000s. Okay. So, like, very young. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm rooting for them this year. Met their entire team, coached them a little bit, which brought me back to my days of playing water polo and stuff, and it was really cool. That's nice. That's nice. And also, while I was there, a few elegant listeners recognized me and come and said hi. Oh, that's awesome. Good to know. Yeah, and straight up referenced the podcast. They so that was the cult the that you were talking about. Yeah, that and was the cult. And then you made the blood sacrifices. You started worshiping the greater demons that are the gods of uh, sports, and then everything went to hell. I didn't go to hell. It, I mean, it seemed to go very successfully. Balls went in holes. It was very successful. That is good. Well, I didn't know there were holes in water polo. I, thought it was I mean, the net. goal is a hole. Well, the goal has holes in it. I don't know if it itself is a hole. I mean, the opening of the goal for the ball to cross to score is a hole. No, I think that's an entrance more than a hole. What's the difference? Well, it aren't all entrances holes? No, because I think a hole suggests that it goes all the way through. No, a hole no. in the ground. Be- Wait. So if it goes all the way through, it's a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is the cannoli argument all over again. <laughs> oh, no. Is a door frame a hole? Is a straw two holes or one hole? Yeah, because if you open a door, it goes all the way through, and it's, 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 a, it's a hole in the wall, but not all halls are walls. Not all holes are... Not all entrances are holes... Because yep, your front yep. door isn't a hole to your house. If you build a tunnel in, you've made a hole. <sighs> no, the front door would be a hole to your house. And all the other doors are holes to the to the no, rooms. No, it's more of an entrance than it is a hole. But a window is very hole-like because it's gap. But aren't, aren't holes entrances? Not always. Well, your mouth hole is an entrance for food and yeah, other things. Yeah, but the asshole and air. is an exit. Yeah, most well, it, of it, the it could, time, it <laughs> could be an entrance. Not for yeah. some people. <laughs> Not for everyone. Well, I mean, if you get a colonoscopy, which you should regularly to make it sure has you the don't potential have potential to be a, an entrance. It does not mean its main function. I think that's the delineating factor of whether something is a hole or an entrance. What is what its main function is? Well, what, whether it's its main function or not, it's still a hole. Yeah, well, you could call it that, but that does, its main definition is what it's most commonly known as, so there would be a more common factor to determine it as that versus it being a hole. You don't say, go, oh, come on in the door hole. Come on in. Oh, you drop by, neighbor. Come in my door hole. Lord of the Rings, it was the Hobbit hole. Yeah, okay, the ring was just a finger hole. Is that what and you're talking true. about? That's true. Or a, a single finger tunnel. Oh, no, it's the one hole. The one hole to rule them all. <laughs> and is. in the darkness, hole them. No. <laughs> anyway, continue. What were you talking about? I don't I don't remember. <laughs> Good. Let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> to the Olympics. Water polo. Woo. Oh, no. We got a jacuzzi here. All right. So this jacuzzi comes from Pancake110110. Is that the number of pancakes they eat? God, I hope not. 
How dare you, Mark and Tyler, forgetting the most critical part of the episode. Despite you mentioning it, at the end of the episode, we will be expecting bigger and spicier jacuses. Our voices will be heard. Jacuse, I tell you, jacuse. And here's what I have to say about this, because it's to both of us, is we don't make the jacuses. That's yeah. up to you guys accusing us of something that isn't constantly, why aren't you doing this primer? Why aren't you doing that primer? Look, if you want high quality accusers, I'll read them because I got nothing better to do than accuse Tyler of being wrong. <laughs> but you mu you guys at home must think that Tyler is perfect every single episode because you haven't been saying anything wrong about it. And look at him. It's going to go right to his head. He starts a cult. He... Calls holes, entrances and entrances holes. He's not the master of balls and holes until I know that he can tell his asshole from a hole in the ground. The difference of with which. So jacuse, because that's on you, ghosts. Well, I mean, I I would also say the one time they were like when we flipped we flipped roles where you were you were teaching the cheese rolling and people were like Tyler, why are you doing the jacuses and stuff? And I was like, there's nothing for me to really read. <laughs> like, yeah. there's nothing there. There's nothing so, there. I'm too perfect. Yeah, you know, everybody worships you. They do. God, they do. Except for the Balls and Holes cult. Well, no one cares about them. They're like Kick Club. They don't really exist. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, 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 them some bold words. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They can't read. What do they know? They can't type, apparently, so I highly doubt that they can read. Well, I guess we'll find out if they respond to our jacques on their jacques. Mm-hmm. Which we never will. What? We never will. Oh, okay. Your face got really dark when you said that, so it was very I know, I know. It's very ominous. ominous. It's For some reason, I've got my lights really low, so when this monitor, which is an extremely bright monitor, it goes white, it's just... <laughs> anyway, there's no jacuzzes. Close. Game over. Oh, that's, that's the end of the jacuzzes, guys. No more jacuzzes. Wow. Wow. Well, that's pretty much the end of the sport conversation for this episode, which is a little weird. Um, <laughs> sport for... talk is over. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is the official end of Go My Favorite Sports Team and the beginning of the next chapter. What, what's the next chapter? I don't know. What are we talking about? Well, today we're going to be talking about the Writers Guild and SAG Strike, the Actors Guild. Interesting. Not something that sports people would think would be pertinent, but is pertinent how? Because uh, sports is a form of entertainment. And in that, when you get into commentators and people that create content around sport, especially sport movies and other things along those lines, it does impact them. And in fact, a lot of retired actors in different areas, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson used to be a professional wrestler. Like there's a lot of people that are now in these groups that used to be athletes. And this also affects late night television, as we've already seen, because the Writers Guild has been on strike for over two months, going on three months now. Um, and SAG just recently joined. And so it's affecting coverage of a lot of sports and the coverage in a lot of ways. And additionally, uh, I actually mentioned my support of the strike and everything that's going on right now and fighting for better working conditions and compensation for their work. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, Imagine if there's only one sports team and I was like, that's not how this works. And you do realize that professional athletes are also unionized. Wait, yeah. Do they think unions are a team? Is that how they think it works? I guess it was very confusing. So I was like, I don't see how this is relevant. 
And then they responded with something else that just broke my brain because it felt even dumber. That is just a, it's a very fascinating way to think about it because it, it's not at all what the, uh, what the point of a union is. And uh, for those of you who don't know, unions are basically, and this is just me giving the Cliff Notes thing, is when the workers of a certain either company or industry band together to negotiate on behalf of all of the workers in the face of the employers who are taking advantage of their labor and trying to maximize profits over, you know, people's ability to live. It's it is when it's well done, a very useful and a, and some people might argue essential part of capitalism in general to make sure that uh, the people aren't being crushed under constant profiteering. Yeah, yeah. Especially considering like a lot of people that own major studios or major sports teams are insanely well-off people, like mm -hmm. billions of dollars, millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And yeah. people often think, oh, they just want more money. They want to be richer. It's so much more than that. It's working conditions. It's like healthcare. It's time that they're allowed to work and time off. And recently, because of the advent of AI, it's the use of image and likeness with permission and fair compensation recently for like streaming services, online streaming services. Yeah. Because that's been another way that studios have been able to create their own avenue of revenue and push to just streaming services and create content specifically just for streaming services. Mm -hmm. And that is affecting the writers in a massive way because they're not getting the same compensation as like major movie productions. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the factor of AI being a part of this. And this is one of the reasons why it actually is good for them to be having these renegotiations right now is because the era of generative AI and like I've talked about this a bit and there's been constant debate on the internet about it and there's like people's art getting stolen. But what people don't realize or may not realize in the future is that there actually is a subset of this that is going to be even more complex in the future as this stuff gets better is that this video or this audio that you're hearing as these models get better, they're going to be able to replicate what what people sound like, what people look like, not just in audio. Audio can almost now be done pretty well. Like, I'm sure everyone saw the memes of, like, the presidents playing Minecraft or the presidents debating some random crap. They're obviously robots right now, you can tell, but they're really good. They're much better than they were just, like, a year ago. And in another year, it'll get better. And in another year, it'll get indistinguishable from real people. And so we've talked about, in terms of this podcast, me talking talking here could be fed into an AI model and then generate someone that talks just like me, but it's not me. And so with, with industry people like that and with like um, movies and stuff, you can replicate anyone in time. Given enough time, you can replicate pretty much anybody. And I mean, we've kind of already seen it in the Fast and Furious series with Paul Walker, who unfortunately passed away, and the character that he's played, they have basically been able to use technology to put his face over somebody else's face in, in the acting sequence so that they could have him in the movies and give him a, a, a send-off that made sense for the series. Yeah, and that was usually done with, like, 3D and models and stuff. So, And those yeah. are very expensive techniques to do before. Uh, like, mm -hmm. they did it in Star Wars with Peter Cushing's character in, I believe it was Rogue One. And you could tell that it was 3D and it was CG. It was extremely well done, and it was like, ooh, that's beautiful, but obviously the human eye and the 
human brain is very easily able to tell when something that is close but not there is fake. But the problem with these generative AIs is because the way that it's making is not, you know, 3D. It is getting closer and closer to photorealism so that people can't tell the difference. And that's where things are going to get very, very interesting because, of course, of course, companies would want to, you know, reuse things without permission and for for cheaper methods than what uh, the the 3D methods are. But also with generative AI, it can create basically the perfect mixture of actors that can take like Brad Pitt plus Leonardo DiCaprio and merge it into a new actor with a new voice but yeah. has a blend of their like styles and then you could just in the future it's not crazy for me to say that could just happen in a studio it could be like look you see it with vtubers like in a in the earliest ways you see it with vtubers of people creating personas and being able to make fan bases out of those personas now there are re real people behind those things right now but what's the difference between doing that now with a real person behind it versus doing it in the future where you have an AI model that has its own custom animations, its own character, is able to answer questions as well as ChatGPT, or better, when the future iterations come out, and is able to hold conversations and speak realistically in a voice that is just synthesized. All of it. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team hear that it's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake specifically they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too so let's get right to it the new money maker scratch off from the ohio lottery doesn't beat around the bush money maker play the game and you could win money up to two million dollars with more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. So, like, the, the big thing, too, that the reason the Writers Guild went on strike yeah. is because of streaming services and the rev share with streaming services. And mm. what's been happening, um, what I was reading up on with the Writers Guild, is that they've been hiring, like, groups of writers and paying them a lot less to sit in a room together and then once they're done they're they're just are done and so they pay them like something about being paid less to do because instead of one person writing the whole thing they're bringing them all together and bringing new people in 
and they're not getting the same experience on set. It's not even that. They've done that forever. That's why writing can be inconsistent on shows. It's the fact that there aren't the same treatments for writing as there have been in the past. There's a category of media called new media. And this is a this is a statement and like a category of content that has been touted uh, as an excuse to not do things in the way that things have been done on TV and movies. Because there are different categories of how content is treated and how mm -hmm. content is interpreted for legal reasons for these contracts. So if you have a TV show and a writer's on there, there's specific pathways to get residuals for those writers. And there's mm -hmm. certain protections for those writers to be on that show for like creative purposes because it is like, is that it's not universal, but is that is usually how it's done. And with streaming, it's both new media, so there's not the same kind of reporting that's done on the back end. So Netflix never tells how many people watch their show. It's it's a black box. No one can see into their data, and they don't mm -hmm. let anyone see into their data, because if no one knows, then they can say whatever they want. And that's kind of a thing in the industry in general is also like there's very little people that say how many people watch there's things like nielsen ratings and there's stuff like that but it's all outside perspective there are ways that you could see exactly how many people watch on youtube it's all public facing and that's yeah. the scary part is on youtube the views are public facing so if these streaming services come out with numbers and their numbers are not even what youtubers get which i guarantee you they are not they are mm -hmm. the audiences that are on YouTube and TikTok are vastly more than those that are watching the especially the smaller streaming service. And you wouldn't even think it was a smaller streaming service. But everyone knows that these other ones that aren't Netflix and like the big ones yeah. are not getting as many people. And they don't want people to know that. So they keep it hidden. And so they, they keep it hidden because the writers also they don't know how much they get paid. So they get it's a two way street. They go like, we're doing great. Also, you don't get paid anything. Because well, it's not doing that great. Which is also wild to me because Netflix does show like the rating system of what's being popular. And I don't know if that has to do with views or how they do that or if it's just the, what they want to push at the time. And like other streaming services do the same thing, like popularity and use the algorithm to do recommended and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's all just like, oh, it's doing well. But they'll never say the actual numbers because that could be traced down to how much to pay. Because it's also like not only is it not doing well, but sometimes things do extremely well. And they also don't want writers to know, oh, it did well, but. You know, here's your normal pay. This is what we decide. It's all companies that want to be like, we want to decide how much you get paid. We want to decide what you're worth. And you don't get to a say in that. Well, yeah. And then they cancel shows that you think are doing really, really well. And it's like, if they're the only ones that know, maybe it was because they didn't want to pay writers more or whatever involved. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that the most recent example of that that I can think of was Disney+. Plus. They had a movie that came out earlier this year that was just an expensive movie to make and it was on the streaming platform for about two months mm -hmm. just two months and they took it off because they did not want to keep paying the licensing fees and residuals to keep playing it oh my god so it's like this content that so many people put so much work in more work went into the pre-production than it even had an opportunity to exist in post-production it's just like it's such a bizarre backwards way of thinking about content. It's like trying to be so controlling about the content and not letting anyone experience it, not only for the sake of image of looking good, but also just being like, you're cheap. You're cheap. You don't want to pay. Yeah. They just yeah. don't want to pay. And on top of that, too, like writers are way underpaid as it is. Mm hmm. There's like a few exceptions to the rule, like some that have made their own celebrity status and become and are writers and have been. Yeah. 
historically very successful. But the majority of writers work multiple jobs beyond writing to make ends meet, especially in L.A. and California because cost of living is so high. And that to me, like the part that was eye opening to me was finding out that information. That to me was absolutely mind blowing because you don't have content without writers. Mm. Like you have improv, you have various other forms that can exist. But as far as like major movies and productions and stuff like that, if there's no writers, there's no movie, there's Mm -hmm. no jobs, there's no production. Like everything that exists is because somebody wrote something. Mm -hmm. And that to me makes me absolutely baffled at the fact that the majority of people that write have to work multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it it is a thing where this more than anything else is affected by the AI thing because writing is just like, that's probably the most basic thing because there's not that uncanny valley that human have to like remove from. You can mm-hmm. feed in the entire script of friends into like an AI and train it on that and it'll be able to shit out a bad one now. I, I don't know if you caught AI sponge on uh, oh, I have on not. YouTube. It, it's, it was taken down almost immediately. It was terrible. It was hilarious, but it was awful, but it won't be awful forever. That's how this has gone and that's the pattern. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's funny now and it's silly now, but it's not going to be silly forever. Well, didn't you see that like the person who actually developed AI like is like regrets doing it, but doesn't because somebody else would have done it if he didn't? Yeah, let's let's also uh, specify it's not the inventor of AI. I think well, that was yeah. the CEO of like or the founder of like st- uh, OpenAI, I believe it was that said that. But yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He did Open say AI. that he's like he worries that he's like, oh, God, what have I done? And yeah, maybe you should be. But it was going to happen anyway. Yeah, like, somebody really was, was going to do it. This technology has been wanted forever, so it's like it's no one's going to stop doing it. Now it's like a gold rush of of people just like sprinting headlong into making this happen, which, you know, I'm not surprised by, but, you know, uh, cat's out of the bag. So when you first thought of AI, like as a kid, did you think of robots like walking around as artificial intelligence or did you actually think of the computing area in which we are seeing it more so used now see that's the thing i actually saw it as computing i think a lot of people might have seen it more as robots stomping around but i was always like thinking it was computer because i played computer games a lot and i always Mm -hmm. thought about like if i could talk to an ai or the computer was actually thinking you know stuff like that so it was always very computer based for me but what about you Uh, For whatever reason, I always thought robots. And I think Mm -hmm. that was just because of like the depiction in different movies and different stuff like that growing up. I mean, even going to Star Wars, looking at C-3PO and R2-D2 and stuff like that. And so I think because it created that physical aspect, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess at a certain point, I started to understand it more as the other way when I got into like Halo with Cortana and the stuff that existed with that. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, when I first thought of it growing up until like relatively recent years like once i was like high school or above or whatever for me i always thought of oh it's just going to be like robots it's going to be like you can just download somebody and put them in there program wise i guess which i always thought was flawed because my logic of it was the building a robot is inefficient because Mm -hmm. because humans are basically easy to make by comparison if you wanted (laughs) to make something that literally you're not wrong that's the crazy part and the human body is an unbelievably complex and robust system 
Yeah. It, it is self-healing. It's self-maintaining. Even if you take out all of like the consciousness part of it, if you took the brain out, the just looking at the body, it is self-regulating. It's, it's self-repairing. It, it has an incredibly powerful immune system that is like self-learning and self-teaching. It can move on its own. It can, it's incredibly power efficient, unbelievably power efficient. The human brain one runs on the equivalent of like 15 watts. That light bulb behind me takes more power than my brain does. Like, it's an incredibly powerful system. So why build a robot? It's also very strong. For its size, like, human oh, body, yeah. very strong. Incredibly powerful for, like, power-to-weight ratio. Relative strength is massive. Yeah, if you had a big metal thing, yeah, it could punch harder. But it's like, there are some humans out there that can kick and bend metal with their bones. Like, that's a thing. So I've always been of the mind is like thinking that AI is going to be in robots is dumb. What it's going to be is an organically grown body with a machine mind. Yeah, That's what okay. the robot will be. I think anyway. I mean, that makes sense. But I never I never would have thought of AI as like doing the, I guess, like deep fake of being able to be become. a person. No, that was new. That that I never thought. Was yeah. Gonna be a thing. I never saw that coming. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, actually, recently, um, I think there's been a TikTok trend of like AI singing, mm -hmm. and uh, a bunch of voice actresses. Like one voice actress got bullied for a, like being mad about somebody using their their voice and making a character they played do something. Mm, yeah, and it was just like really honed the point of what's going on with the conversation with AI. Is just like you know they weren't doing anything bad. It was just in fun. They were singing. They were having a fun time. But it's like that ability to do something is just mind boggling. It is. Yeah. And how it would affect somebody's ability to then be able to get work, because if they can replicate it as opposed to them actually having to come in studio and do it, that's just yeah, completely eliminates them. Yeah. And, and also, like, I, not to dwell on the AI, because it is a factor, but also there are many other factors in terms of, uh, oh of, yeah, you know, the strike occurring. It's not just about AI. But I actually do think that it's a very big part of what they should fight for and address. Because if yeah. there are writers and actors that do not understand what this is going to be, because I, I want to be very clear that... There are a lot of people out there. The crypto bros really made people doubt like all the things that are in the future. And and I'm not a crypto bro in any in any way, shape, or form. I think crypto is a big scam. Most of the coins out there, I, I do not believe yeah. they have the potential to be a currency like they want to. Blockchain technology, all that, I don't even I I, I will never get into that because it's not what it's about. The things that people are saying about generative AI, that is not a joke. That is one hundred percent possible. Like the things that people suspect it is right now, yes, that can happen. Do not be fooled because it's laughable now. I get that everyone was like, oh, NFTs, it's just another NFT thing because you get these monkeys. It's the same deal. Mm -hmm. It is not. The potential for this is so beyond. There was a there was um something I read that was talking about an AI model, and it was not sophisticated, but it was an AI model whose purpose was to design processors. A, a chip. It was supposed to design the logic units of a chip. And they devised it because people may not know this, but 
uh, logical chips and processors are so complicated that they are not human designed. They are aggregate designs of ideas that people generally want. But we still, even to this day, don't know the most efficient method to organize the logical gates and transistors to make the most efficient thing. We're discovering new things and we're making new architectural changes all the time. We're getting like advanced. It's a progressing science. But what knows better to talk to a logical gate than a logical gate itself? It knows how it works. Not that it knows how it works, but it, it breaks down requirements into data. That's what an AI model does. It breaks down some input into numbers and then outputs numbers that can that can then get translated into what we as humans are like, I understand that. But the, to an AI model, it's all data going in and out. So they made an AI model that could translate what someone required. Like, I want a processor that's good at uh, interpreting a certain analog signal into a or a certain uh, frequency into another frequency because it's all numbers to numbers. That's all. That's all processors do anyway. And it made one. It it made one. They took the design to a fabrication plant for a chips fabrication. They printed the design. They they made it. The chip worked exactly as they asked the AI model to make it. This is the level that people don't understand. People think, oh, it's pictures. Oh, it's music. Oh, it's words. No, this thing will take jobs that we don't even know it'll take jobs of. That yeah. job is so specialized. That its job is so incredibly valuable to humanity. And it can be taken by a machine that we built on the same things that those people, their job is required for. It's like yeah. these, it, I make no mistake. The, the world, entire world of computing is changing right now. And it has effects beyond computing, beyond art, beyond entertainment. It bleeds into sport. It will bleed into all of these things that we have no idea what it is. Oh, yeah. Imagine like in sport, if they put a chip in the ball and all of a sudden they had an AI that could be able to track it and figure out what's going on and design plays for like football or soccer or like it can fully take away like coaching, analyzing player movement to higher efficiency. Legitimately, you wouldn't even need a chip in the ball. You just need a camera looking at the field. Feed yeah. it every play that ever existed. It would know exact. It would be able to look at another player on another team and be like, this guy's really good. How do I beat him? And it's like, ah, he makes a flaw because his left pinky toe makes an errant movement. So if you do this, he'll never see it. Or, or it'll be able to like come up with plays that if the players just follow it, it'll win every time. Like, yeah. Because it'll know exactly what's going on in real time and feed the data in. There's kind of applications. You, we could sit here and talk for hours and come up with applications that, like, yeah, that could happen. But what it's more about is the wages and working conditions yes. and everything else that is going on in the industry as a whole with streaming services in particular. Mm -hmm. And greed and corporate greed. Because that still is going to be a thing as long as humans are doing anything. That's going to be a thing. I read something or I saw an interview where somebody like back like what was it like 50 years ago the highest paid person made 35 times what the lowest paid worker in a production did and now yeah. like Bob Eager makes 400 times what the lowest person on a production makes. Yeah, Bob Iger. And that's not Bob even Iger, like yeah. the top CEO discrepancy. There was actually a website that was like uh top CEO pay discrepancies. It, it tracked it. Well, I know the Amazon one is really bad. Oh, there, there are so many that are bad. Um, I don't know where this website is. Someone will probably be able to tell me and put it on the server or something. But there's a there's something that tracks it. The worst offenders are in the ten thousand times. Are you, you're kidding me? No, it's thousands. There's there's hundreds of companies that are, their CEOs are paid thousands of times more than their lowest paid worker. That is absurd to me because 
considering I uh, the majority of minimum wage, especially like I don't know if the federal government ever passed the $15 an hour minimum wage raise, but that doesn't even scratch the surface of how bad like cost of living and wages are in the United States. Yeah. Let alone in some of the more like high cost areas of the U.S. Yeah, it it is bad and it all comes down to corporate greed this idea that the executives are the ones that are making everything go and even though we just had our this lesson learned of like essential workers the workers that make the country run and survive are not the ones being paid and they are the ones that are essential to the the existence of everything and and people look back at those times of when because it skyrocket ceo pay skyrocketed 1,460 percent since 1978 even the boomers are like oh it was better back in my day you know what else was better back in your day was the balance between the people that owned the one percent and everyone else it was better yeah it was better and it's awful now it's awful it's terrible and it's it's one of those things where you you just and yes yes back then ceos were paid more because the company viewed it as like their skills were more valuable. There is a certain number that is reasonable that everyone I think could agree like, oh yeah, that's reasonable. That's yeah. 20 times more. I could see that 40 times more. All right. Yeah, I could see that. That guy founded the company, whatever, ran it. Sure. 400 times more. 400. And that's average. That's the average right now. That's average. That's horrible. I mean, and the the other thing is like talking about money and all of that involved, like the unfathomable amount a billion dollars is in comparison to a million dollars. Oh yeah. Like just visually, I, I there's um there's a few videos I think somebody counted out like rice. Oh yeah. And like it's a difference between like a insanely large pile and bags upon bags upon bags of rice. Like yeah pounds it's nuts and there's like i think apple just recently crossed over like three trillion dollars in value and that's a company that's not like one person but there are some people out there that might be getting close to that or definitely want to get there and it's just like at a certain point what what's the point what is the point what is the value of that how does that make value how the other crazy part, I know, I know a lot of people are like, well, the actors make so much money and all this stuff. And yeah, there are a few actors that do. But you're looking at a group, you're looking at the 1% within that group that you're thinking of, like the, the I guess, the, the Tom Cruises and the Brad Pitts. You're not looking at the background people. You're not looking at the other people that are a part of that that aren't like the headlining name. Yeah. The people that are breaking into the industry and and everything that's involved in every aspect of that. And the greatest part about this and the reason I love this is because it is kind of a team mentality. They're doing it to help their fellow actors. And majority of the stuff that are in these debates and the strike are things that will not fully impact the people that are striking right now. Mm-hmm. It's for the future. It's for the, the ones that are doing it 10 years from now, 20 yeah. years from now, 50 years from now. And it's making sure that those that are the higher ups and the big names still recognize that they were low names at one point too and making sure that they take care of their own and those that they can relate to in the space. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's something that I love because I, I, we've seen it with Major League Baseball. We see it in their collective bargaining agreements, which is what it's called over in sports, is they're, they're trying to raise like the minimum amount that a player gets paid because of all of the logistics involved with mm-hmm. entertainment and sports and everything around that. You can think of like the top people that make millions of dollars. Sure. But they're the ones you know. Mm-hmm. There's so many more that you don't. Yeah. There's there are probably some people out there who have jaded opinions of unions or they, they've been convinced that they're not good. They they can be very, very good. And that's that's one of the things that like the reason like actors uh, have incredible health plan and pension funds is because they struck. They, they stroked. They striked. 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 That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. The biggest part of that, too, is like working conditions like years ago on order strikes and relation to like how they're taken care of on set and stuff has changed drastically. And SAG doesn't just cover actors. It's musicians. It's makeup artists. It's there's so many aspects within SAG beyond just the actors and stuff like that that are are within it. Yeah. I want to confirm the makeup artist. Well, but. well, okay. SAG is Screen Actors Guild. There's IATSE, which is the union for most of the people who work the crew, like the labor and construction side. And then there's also, I believe that covers a lot of uh, different of the, maybe some post-production stuff is IATSE as well with like editors and like post-production houses. There is no VFX artist union. I do think that there should be. But yeah, it's like SAG. There's the Writers Guild. There's the Directors Guild. And then there's IATSE. And I believe I'm probably forgetting some other ones. IATSE was actually looking to strike back uh, about two years ago now um, mm-hmm. and they didn't because they reached a deal and a lot of people on IATSE were upset about that um, because they wish they would have strike because they wanted even more and it's like yeah they kind of should got more because in the film industry it's usually like a 12 hour work day is the minimum but you know with that comes like meals and stuff and the overtime rules are very specific but it's still like 5 day 12 hour work week is the standard and it can get really bad because the reason they were striking is because it was going 12 hour workday and then every day overtime was occurring that was just the norm yeah. in film brush so you had people yeah. working 16 18 hour days and then have to like go home and turn around and there are turnaround rules but it's like it, that's how these things work companies and things they'll look at every single loophole every single thing that you don't put in writing and fight for they will just take advantage of because they don't care they don't care it's a company they don't care yeah, I think there was like um, I, when that was happening, it was like the old window was like a four hour turnaround or something ridiculous where oh, nobody yeah. could sleep. And also because of the way things were at that time, a lot of times people were making hour long commutes. Mm-hmm. And so it was just completely unfeasible. They would get home, not even have time to eat and sleep and have to turn around and drive back. Yeah. How it actually affects like us and other people um, mm. and other ways you can support. I think that's an important topic to talk about because is it going to affect your movie, Mark? I'm actually super curious. I think so. I, I don't know the full ramifications of it, but I think so. I'm in SAG. So technically I am striking. So I'm all those people wanting me in movies. I'm not doing it. Do, do all the people bashing down my door to get me in their movies i'm not doing it but uh, in a very serious way is like yeah i'm sag and this is an iatsi shoot i wrote it myself so i'm i'm not like the production isn't part of that but also it's a weird spot where it's like i'm self-funding the movie so i am my own production company so the striking is for you know these productions that are like 
not doing it right. However, I do think that there's a way to negotiate with SAG for these reasons of like, I pay above minimum for Mm -hmm. the minimum rates. I do that. I don't like really care about my own pay. I am my own boss in this case, so I could strike against myself, but there's no point in doing that besides like symbolic nature. But even so, I want to do it right because my film is done. We've done all our pickup shots. We've done everything. However, there's occasion for like, we might need another voice. I need to record ADR at some point, but I'm SAG. And so it's like, where do I stand for my own production that I'm making and funding Am I allowed to do this stuff right now? Or do I have to put it on on, on a break? I don't know. And I don't want to go against um, what the, the industry wants. But also, I'm not in a position right now where I'm one of the people they're striking against because... I've tried to do everything right by myself, mm-hmm. myself, my my crew, and like the people around me. So I don't know. I want to do it right, and I like obviously support the strike. But yeah, I don't know. I it's a it's an unknown world. Do you have a contact at SAG? Because I I recently met a writer who was like self producing their own thing mm-hmm. at an event on Thursday. It was an info list event, and they got approval from SAG. They had talked to somebody at SAG and they got approval to continue forward because they had just started into it and I believe they were fully Mm self-funding and how the logistics worked on that because there are certain like accentuating circumstances that they allow certain things to go through because of all the money and effort that's already been put into it. Mm -hmm. But also like, you know, public perception is a thing and a lot of other aspects in that front. And so it's, I, I was curious if there's somebody you could actually talk to. I'm sure there probably is, but, you know, I don't even really talk to my YouTube rep. So, <laughs> like, there probably is. And I think uh, the the producers on, like, my movie are reaching out because they were the ones negotiating with the SAG. I did not negotiate with SAG directly myself because um, mm-hmm. they were negotiating on my behalf for me. It is a weird thing. It's not common for, you know, the actor to also be the director and the producer and funding it. it yeah. It's not like that doesn't happen. That happens all in late, but it is... It is not the most common thing. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're not doing it with like a studio backing it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the biggest thing is this strike is against the major studios. There's like a specific list that they're striking, I believe. Yeah. But it is also like wide reaching. It is. Oh, yeah. It is affecting everyone. So I, I don't want to step on any toes. I want to do things right. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. Yeah. The other thing I want to say for anybody out there who's trying to get into acting or writing or voice acting and all this other stuff that's represented by those unions that are on strike, if you take a union job during that time by one of the companies or something that's going on, you will be banned from ever being a part of SAG. That's something that SAG does in order to protect people from, uh, there's a movie called The Replacements, they called them scabs, people that took the jobs of people that were unionized when the union was on strike. Because it would undermine the entire purpose of the strike if they could just suddenly influx a bunch of that. Because yeah. like there are people that were like, oh, we'll just get YouTubers or we'll just get these people. And it's like, no, like this is legitimate. And this is something that's far reaching in the sense that it's fighting to benefit you. Mm. If you want to be an actor, you want to work in this industry. This isn't about like an opportunity for you to break in. This is something you need to acknowledge and respect and because it is fighting for your endeavors in the future if it's a career you want. Mm. And I think that's an important note to let people know of because I think it's important to just do that not only on a moral side, but also acknowledging the fact that of how much it would affect your career. So don't do it. I want to break into that career, so and I'm mm. not SAG. 
The other question, uh, I don't, uh, to answer some of you who might be thinking it might affect our podcast, I, we don't think it will. No, I don't, I don't think it will. Yeah. I, 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 because our podcast is not union and we are not doing it in a union capacity, even though I'm in a union, like I'm not doing this podcast because the podcast is not union. So I'm not doing it as a union worker. I'm just doing it, which is totally fine. Like, I think that is okay. So long as everything is on the up and up, the the unions are there to protect people. And that's where like, sometimes like I was um, on the production and people were like, I was saying, yeah, I'm, I wrote it, I directed it, I edited it. And I was negotiating with IATSE. And then it was like, who's going to edit it? And they're like, I'm going to edit it. And they're like, you're going to edit it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to edit it. And uh, yeah, really, you're going to edit it. I highly doubt the director is going to edit the movie. And I'm like, is that uncommon? Is that uncommon? Anyway. I mean, I think that's probably the one thing that is something that is insanely uncommon. I, like I acting suppose. and directing is pretty common. Acting, directing, producing does happen. But most in like the major film space that, that I've seen, I don't know if, if they have that same skill set. They didn't come up through like the avenues that you have and they usually have a whole editing team do everything. So yeah, YouTube really did. It's the perfect training for uh, doing those kind of things because man, it really did teach me all those skills. And I mean, like I taught myself by that. I mean, having to do YouTube taught me all of those skills that applied directly to filmmaking. It really did apply directly on there. So yeah, don't knock YouTubers. There was a quote from, it was, I talked about this uh, on a stream, but Anthony Mackie said that he said like, w- like, of course we're going to like, what are they oh, going to yeah. do? Hire a bunch of YouTubers to be the Avengers. And it's like, oh, mean, mean, why, why do that? Mean. Well, yeah. And on top of that, like there were a bunch of people that replied to that, like they could probably do an insanely great job or and some people even said potentially even better. The right people? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there's there's very competent people out there in terms of acting ability. And I'm not even just like saying like me, me, but there's tons of people that are that do YouTube or are full-time YouTubers that just are really incredible at what they do. And then do directing and VFX and all of that stuff that mm-hmm. I mean, all over the place. Animation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was completely unnecessary to make that comment. But yeah. Uh, don't yeah. be mean. We're all in this together. Yeah. I mean, SAG even um, started o- offering opportunities for streamers and stuff to be able to join SAG through their work. I think that happened in like the last couple of years. Yeah. I got in SAG just because I was part of uh, that. Um, that. Uh, oh, what's her name? Oh, frick. Lily? Felicia Day. No, Felicia, oh, Felicia Day, Day. Okay. had like this uh, thing. It was uh, this short called Werewolf. I believe, which was based on like Town of Salem or something like that. But yeah, Werewolf, it was when uh, Geek and Sundry was around. I believe they're gone now, but it's like I was in that. And because they were all in SAG, it was a SAG shoot, even though it was a short that qualified as new media. So it was under specific rules. But if you're in a SAG production, you can join SAG. And I did. And then I've been in a few SAG things ever since. Nice. Yeah. So Are you in SAG? I'm not. I've you never... know, if you would have been, if there was a role in um, in uh, uh, Iron Lung, which, you know, there's not many, but that, that would have been an opportunity to be in SAG because it's just like, so if you're in the next project I do, you'll probably have to join SAG. I would be happy to join SAG. There's there's dues. Yeah, well, the dues are worth it. <laughs> yeah, they are, actually. Yeah. The access to healthcare and the other stuff that I've heard that SAG does, including this particular strike and fighting for people's rights. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was important to talk about this t- 
topic and it does mm-hmm. branch all avenues of entertainment. So I thought it was a worthwhile thing. Cause there are definitely athletes out there that probably get they're run into the ground and they're, they're just used up and their bodies are just sold to be like athletes and they're run into ground, the overwork stuff like that. There are definitely like athletes that are in the top that get paid millions, just the same with actors, but it's like, who's taking care of the ones that are not, as popular yep. but still their their employers just run them into the ground and don't take care of them that oh, yeah. they need protection and they need help yeah that's a lot of the collective bargaining agreements in sport have to do with medical care and medical care after retirement and things along mm-hmm. those lines yeah it's the same thing that these writers guilds and sag fight for for the actors and everybody involved in those fronts mm-hmm. you need somebody who's going to be there to protect you and help you be better and make a proper wage for the work that you put in. Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people look at it and be like, man, it'd be great if it could, if we could have that, that'd be so good. I'm like, that can happen if you all band together and demand it. It's not asking for it. It's demanding it because yep. if they don't get the work done, they don't make money and companies really don't like that. The thing about companies is they don't care about anything but making money, but if you get in the way of them making money, man, they really start to care and they'll do anything to make that money not happen because they they have the money to make the things that you want happen, but their their dollar sign equates go like we're making this much money and if you want if we give you that we'll make this much money but the thing is if you if you make them make zero money they'll give anything to get back even a little bit up in the make money area so yeah just yep. remember that that's always an option it's really interesting because we talk about this on the charity streams we did and stuff together like the power that you have if a bunch of people band together and contribute one dollar it's if you band together and demand better working conditions better wages and you actually come together which is what unions are for that's how you can make an impact change yeah but let's also be very clear uh people have died in droves to get rights through these like strikes people in the past have literally died for this. So it's something that when it when it's said like it's a fight, yeah, it's a fight. Because they, companies, they just don't care. They didn't care about running people into the dirt before. They don't care. There was even a quote from uh, some executive somewhere that was like, we want this to carry on till uh, writers start losing their homes, till yep. they start starving. It's yep. a n- cruel but necessary evil, someone said. And it's like, wow, yeah, that, that checks out. That checks yeah. out. So if you want to support this, there are ways to do so. You can cancel your subscriptions to streaming services for the time being because that takes away revenue. It's easy. I did that with a whole bunch. And you know what the funny thing is? If you do that, they'll offer you a discount most of the time. And it's like you could have offered me that discount anytime and you only pick it when I leave. That made me quit even harder on all of the subscription services. And the thing is, you can sign back up. The second you want to watch a show, you can sign up for one month and then get rid of it. You can sign up as many times as you want. There's no penalty. They'll give you a discount if you come back. So that's a big way you can support this. Um, I'm canceling all my streaming services. I've already done that. And you can start reading books because that supports writers in another avenue. That's nice. So, but if you want to support and do that, that's a great way to do so. But Mm. yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope this was informative and uh, I hope you uh, have a great day. I don't know what else to say. No, I mean, you about covered it. I know this wasn't particularly sport-related, but it all relates because sports are part of the human experience. It's part of the entertainment space. Yes, exactly. Uh, If you want to find out more about what we're doing, 
follow us on socials and stuff. If you want to buy merch, you can do that at store.gmfst.com. And uh, we'll see you next week for next week's episode of Go My Favorite Sports Team. And that's that's all from us today. Yay. Bye. Bye.